Nerazzurri Tifosi, Thomas Lawrence of InterTV, back again for another instalment of our Inter podcast. Last time out, we look back on the Serie A season with one-time Inter defender Massimo Paganin. Today, we look ahead to the Europa League and the clash with Getafe, helping me analyse the Nerazzurri's chances on the continental front. It's Calcio expert and Nerazzurri connoisseur, Mr Tancredi Palmeri. Ciao Tancredi, thanks for joining us. Buongiorno to everybody, buongiorno Thomas, buongiorno to all the tifosi interisti in the world. And you, f- you can think that by August the 3rd, the season is over and you prepare for the next one. Not at all. The best is yet to come. Well said, well said. We've still got to dig deep uh, for, for one uh, last push. I have to also confess to our listeners, I actually know uh, Tancred. We met once before in a, in a five-a-side footy match. It was between British expats and a group of local lads from Milan. Tancred that night was actually a ringer for us Brits, and he did us proud. I don't know if you remember that game or not, Tancred. I do remember. I do remember. <laughs> and especially if you are uh, mentioning me as I was, uh, I don't know, a kind of Gattuso, but as we are... Uh, in Inter podcast, uh, I should say more a kind of uh, Nicola Berti. Well, yeah. definitely, that it was me. It was me. Oh, yeah. You, you were like Berti in his prime, up and down that flank. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, joking aside, let's get down to business. We're here to talk about the upcoming round of 16 Europa League tie with Getafe. It's a straight knockout match, so not over two legs. It's to be played in Gelsenkirchen, Germany. But before dissecting the Euro clash, if you agree, Tancredi, let's freshen our memories on how the two teams arrived at this stage of the competition. Inter's European adventure started just under a year ago with the Nerazzurri drawn in Group F of the Champions League. Alongside Barcelona and Borussia Dortmund and Czech champion Slavia Prague, it was always going to be a tricky group to get out of, and the side fell just short, ending up third. Not enough to gain access to the knockout stages of the Champions League, but enough for a second stab at continental competition, with Inter going into the Europa League as one of the top seeds. Conte's men successfully navigated their way past Bulgarian champs Ludogorets in the round of 32, winning 4-1 on aggregate. Christian Eriksen was one of the star performers, scoring his maiden goal for Inter in the first leg, won 2-0 by the Nerazzurri. Now Getafe stand in the way in the round of 16. For their part, the Spaniards started the competition in the group stages, finishing second behind Basel. In the round of 32, the side coached by Pepe Bordales were major underdogs as they took on Ajax, but upset the odds to knock out last season's Champions League semi-finalists 3-2 on aggregate. A big scalp for Bordales' boys, who are out to repeat the trick when they take on Inter in the round of 16. Thank you there to Emily Collins. Lots of talking points too, Tancredi, starting with the fact that Getafe go into this game with Inter after shocking everyone, knocking out Ajax, one of Europe's most storied clubs, in the round of 32. Yeah, you have to enter in the uh, atmosphere of that game. So uh, Ajax was uh, surprisingly kicked out from Champions League. Uh, they had a lot to uh, argue, to be honest, about uh, several referee decisions. Uh, and they were like the, the great underdog of the past season. Um, yeah. You could say, yeah, but you could take your revenge in Europa League. But from their point of view, that was a huge downgrade. And most of all, uh, two years earlier, they three years earlier, they had arrived in the Europa League final. That's so true. It wasn't something like, okay, guys, that's a new stage, a new field of play for us. 
Getafe in a completely different mood. Getafe are not exactly someone. I mean, in the last years, they have uh, come to the higher side of the table in Liga. Mm -hmm. And once in a while, they've popped out in Europe, but not at all. They are accustomed to this kind of stages. So for them, it was uh, the big, big one. Also, in the group stage, they didn't really face the, any... You can, it, it can happen that in Europa League, you can face in the group stage some uh, uh, big one. Uh, but not for them. They had uh, Kuban Krasnodar, they had Basel, yep. they had Tabson Sport. Uh, it That's wasn't correct. exactly someone, something that can uh, hype the expectation. Ajax was the game uh, of the decade, probably, for, for them, or one of those. Uh, the attitude was completely different. The kind of game, the kind of playing is completely different. We know Ajax always faithful to their style. Getafe, we will probably get uh, in depth, in deep later about that. Yes, true. Uh, Getafe are the little cousins of a Simeone's team to make it uh, easy to understand to everybody. It's a 4-4-2 old style, uh, more uh, old Italian stereotype than Spanish. But anyway, it is the kind of team that exactly Ajax suffered the most. So maybe they have underestimated, they had underestimated the first leg. We don't know, but the thing is that they, they, lost too near the first leg they considered a, a goal in the first in the very last minute then when they started the second leg in Amsterdam they considered a goal at the beginning so uh, it was a huge surprise a huge surprise but still you need to find to um, I mean to cross all the details and you will yeah. understand why that happened of course, you're right. You do need, as you said, put it into context. But having said that, it does give the Spaniards, say, the belief that they can beat the very best. But having said that, actually, and I think you touched upon that a few um, just uh, just then in your um, what you were just saying there, Tanker. They don't go into this game in the greatest form, in stark contrast, into because before, obviously, COVID forced the Liga to be uh, interrupted and suspended. Getafe were actually fighting for a place in the Champions League. Uh, they were fighting for a spot in the top four. But post-COVID, they really struggled. I think they've lost the past uh, three uh, three of the past five uh, league games and they end up eight, so outside of the Eurozone. Uh, does, does that mean that you know they're going to have extra um, desire to really show what they can do? Or does that mean that the confidence is low, that this is going to be, shall we say, on paper at least, a, a much simpler game for Inter? Extra desire is an understatement. <laughs> uh, the fact that they underperformed after the coronavirus break is a huge understatement because mm. that's the context. Yeah. Uh, Getafe won only one of the last 12 games in La Liga. Uh, all, all of those came uh, basically... Uh, in the after the coronavirus uh, um, break, yeah, uh, it was unbelievable. As you mentioned, they were fighting for a Champions League spot. One, but when we say fighting for a Champions League spot, we don't say like, oh, maybe we will have a hope to enter Champions League. You know, like for example, I don't know, Cagliari in Serie A that at half of the season were fourth of the table. Yeah. But to be honest, everybody expected that sooner or later they would, would not. Off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe not so much, but they, everybody expected that the big guns would jump in that. No, Getafe was there. Getafe was there for the fourth spot. It was unbelievable the way they 
they completely uh, considered games. Uh, think that in the last five games, not only, as you said, they lost the last three, but in the last five games, basically, and this is actually also responding a lot to the kind of team uh, they are, but in the last five games, they scored one goal. One goal in the last five, sorry, one in the last six games, actually. I just was not including Real Madrid because, okay, it's not like a huge uh, disappointment if you lose to Real Madrid. No, no, no. But it's not only that they missed on Champions League spot. Again, putting things in context, they dropped out from qualifying to Europa League. So they were the extra desire for them in this competition is also because it's the only way for them to get back to Europe. But the way they, dro they dropped out was unbelievable. Ten minutes by the end of the last game, they were still in Europa League. Then, uh, six minutes by the end, Real Sociedad scores. Uh, the very last minutes of their game, they concede one goal. Boom. For the first time since, uh, if I'm not mistaken, since September or October, for the first time, the, the, the only time that, is, uh, that counts, they are out from the European spots. So <clears throat> imagine with which desire they get in this game. I mean, if the best is yet to come for everybody because Inter got a huge chance to lift a trophy and they missed on a European trophy since 10 years. Yes. But Getafe are desperate, are very desperate for this. They, uh, that's the way, the only redemption game they have. And so this is the kind of beast Inter must understand they deal with. This is not only a disappointed uh, uh, team. Disappointed is uh, an understatement. This is a desperate beast. I think that, that really paints the picture, and I'm sure um, Antonio Conte will be drilling that home to his players that, uh, yes, they, they finished the season on a very disappointing note, Katapi, but that they'll use that negative energy and try and turn it into a positive. So, Tango, we've touched upon the form of the two sides. We'll see Katapi, we've just spoken a lot about. Inter, we all know, finished the season on a high note, a brilliant performance uh, in Bergamo. But I want to touch upon the format of the match itself. It's a straight knockout game, so not over two legs. Um, do you think that? That's an advantage to a side like Inter, or do you feel that the Nerazzurri are better over the two legs? Who do you think's got that little upper hand in this sort of, as the Italians would say, a gara secca, a one-off match? Mm -hmm. uh, look, uh, it is. Uh, let's uh, let's be honest and clear. Uh, all the kind of uh, predictions, or anyway, the kind of uh, uh, the time when we preview these games, this two competitions, Europa League and Champions League, it is something completely unknown. This, this is an unknown field. As it was unknown, the post-coronavirus uh, uh, post Serie A, with yeah. a game every three days, with nobody understands. These are, uh, again, an unknown beast and, uh, and completely unknown also because it's, it, never, it just never happened. It just never happened like doing like World Cup style. Now, Getafe definitely, definitely are uh, missing a lot uh, not playing uh, at home. Definitely they are, because uh, they have factored uh, a lot on their uh, home factor, as we call it uh, in, uh, in Italy. That's um, right, yeah. Home advantage, uh, we'd say, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but to, make, uh, to give you a glimpse, guys, yeah. uh, Getafe yeah. have conceded at home uh, if I'm not mistaken, 
Uh, it was around some 20 goals, something like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, they all counted on that. I mean, they knew that it was their bank at home. And so uh, taking that, as, see actually also even uh, how uh, the, uh, the game against uh, the, the two legs against Ajax went, uh, it really had to keep in count because then they knew that Ajax was opening and was leaving space on the counter. So taking uh, off the uh, home factor of Tugetafe, actually it, it counts something. Yeah. But the straight leg... Uh, uh, those that will be able to pull the experience out and make it work into the 90 games, uh, those will be um, favored. Now, if we look at the squad, um, it is true that inter, uh, in the Inter squad, there is not a recent experience of winning titles. But anyway, if we look at Getafe, uh, those uh, it just disappears. Now, if the likes of uh, uh, Lukaku, uh, of uh, Eriksen, uh, uh, anyway, those that have that experience, that have played at high-level uh, knockout stages, uh, if they will be able to uh, put that uh, at disposal of the team, that can create an advantage. In the straight leg, uh, the I would say that um, the handling of the 90 minutes will be a key. Tancredi, I want to uh, talk a bit about individuals in a moment. You've, you've already mentioned a few, that's just a Lukaku connection, but before I want to sort of cap off our, our focus on Getafe, and we've not gone into in too much detail, but I want to do that now. Uh, Conte, after the Atlantic game, said that Getafe are going to be a real tough nut to crack because, well, they're a side that always puts the result first. They do whatever it takes to win. They're, they're well-drilled, compact. They're very athletic as well, very fit side. And they won't allow into a moment's respite. For someone who maybe isn't an expert of Spanish football, European football like yourself, could you give, you know, uh, um, in a nutshell, how they play? I know that their hallmark of Pepe Bordelas, the coach, is a 4-4-2. Am, am I right in saying that? Yeah, totally. 4-4-2. Uh, and as I said before, and this is a kind of example that is going uh, a bit around in the last uh, in the last days in Italy to describe them. If you describe them as uh, the um, humbler version of Simeone's Atletico de Madrid, uh, you are not going far from reality. Obviously, not the Atletico that is pulling uh, the 125 million deal for uh, uh, Jose Felix uh, or uh, for other signings in the last years but if we think about the early version of Atletico Madrid before winning titles and when they were building up on quite I would say working class style and heroes of football so this 4-4-2 is extremely tight extremely playing very old style not making any doubt or any issue or problem in not conceding too much about entertainment spectacle. They go for the results and they are very determined. And uh, consider this. Even if Getafe scored only one goal in the last, in the last six games they played, okay. even if uh, Getafe won only one game of the last 12 they played, even if they dropped from the fourth to the eighth spot, still they ended the season, they finished the season having the third best defense in Liga. 
the third best defense, not having a single uh, world-class player like uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona or Atletico can afford. Uh, they don't have a Sergio Ramos. Um, uh, still, but it's the system, it's the collective, it's the way they play, how they are tight. And in looking into the game, there is actually one uh, idea that is uh, running in the mind of uh, the coach Bordalas, uh, which is, uh, it is still to see, but which is to play with what they call uh, in, uh, in Spain uh, the Tri the uh, triplet rivote. How would you translate uh, that in English, Tancredi? <laughs> uh, I would say the triple pivot. Okay, saying, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, saying the, um, the, the three, uh, three holding midfielders. So they usually play with uh, two holding midfielders and uh, two on the sides, but playing with three holding midfielders. Now, uh, that and probably... Uh, Putting, uh, uh, taking off one of the two strikers up front uh, and playing 4-5-1. Now, this is up to see, is the thing that has been rumored in the last days. But anyway, even if it is 4-4-2, that is the kind of team that even when it is in deep crisis, is conceding almost nothing. So it is a, a game to handle with great precautions because once you make a mistake, if they make the most of that mistake, it could be enough for you to pay uh, to pay until the end. I want to open up a little part of the show now talking about Christian Eriksen because um, many have actually tipped him to really shine in this competition because uh, while in Serie A, we, we are yet to see the best of him. Um, we know, obviously, it is a very tough league to settle, very, very tactical. Uh, but in Europe, there does tend to be a bit more space. Teams are less tactically disciplined than in Serie A. So, so do you feel that what people are saying, that this could be his competition, that that's, that's correct? This can be his sort of platform to really shine and see the Ericsson that we saw at Tottenham and uh, at international level with Denmark? Look, if we look into this game, this game seems more uh, comparable to uh, tactically as interplaying at Kievo. To okay. say one, uh, obviously with a higher intensity. But the thing is that, in my opinion, uh, there are very few players in Europe that got skills like Christian Eriksen. And uh, uh, he hasn't shined for a few weeks or a few months or one season, one competition. He has built his football uh, season by season. I think that he's still one of the leaders in Europe in playing in between the lines. Obviously, Getafe is not leaving normally much space in between the lines. But in this game where one, really one episode can make the game because we see that with Getafe, it's a 90 minutes battle and uh, it's all about the single episode. Uh, in my opinion, it can really be a tiebreaker. I'm still, you don't forget football from one day to, uh, to another. You can take time to accustom. It happens to everybody. Zidane, Zidane uh, took six months to, to settle down uh, at Juventus. Michel Platini, same. I could go on with so of many course, yeah. examples. I remember, that, yeah. yeah, I remember Ronaldo. Look, I remember Ronaldo, Ronaldo the phenomenon, Ronaldo the Brazilian, the original one. I still remember. Because now, you know, with all the YouTube videos and all the narrative, everything goes like, oh, it's so beautiful. I still remember he was so criticized the first year, which for me was crazy, but he was so criticized because people were saying, some people were saying, oh, yeah, he's playing only for one minute, he's scoring, and then he thinks he's enough. 
which actually, if you are, that's what is really making different the real champion from everybody, the one that can decide the game even in a day when he's not shining that much. Uh, but there are some games in which the the fully class, uh, the, the guy world that is one players, of a kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. world class player is the one that can pull one thing that nobody else can. Uh, and in in a game where actually nobody else uh, can even see that space. So, and for me, Ericsson still is that kind of player. Ericsson is also actually a nice link uh, to the English clubs in the competition. That's another reason I wanted to mention him. So there is always a, a method to my madness. And on, on the <laughs> other side of the draw, we have Wolves and Manchester United. Um, the, the Reds, uh, the Red Devils start as one of the major favourites. Winners a few years ago, and you mentioned at the very start, Tancredi. Um, but Again, it's always important to contextualise because although it's a strong United side who finished the Premier League season on a high note, it's not the Manchester United, say, of the Ferguson era. So when people tip them as the favourites, what do you say about that as the overall winners of this competition? Uh, look, um, it is they are not even close to be uh, to the Ferguson era. Uh, but I would say, look, not even... Uh, to the Mourinho era, and people would say, oh, what Mourinho did at Manchester United? Well, uh, he didn't fail the Champions League uh, entry. He won the Europa League. He arrived second, yes, miles far from Manchester City, but that time when Manchester United arrived second, everybody took that as uh, an underachievement, and then they realized how difficult it was. It yeah, was the sure. same... Uh, Manchester United that was failing the years before, just after Ferguson. Um, so I have to say, for what is the range of competitors, uh, my two picks are Manchester United and Inter, to be honest. Even for the way Manchester United finished, Bruno Fernandes uh, completely fit even much more and much earlier than expected. Oh, into. he's had such a big impact, hasn't he? Yes, yes. No, it's not easy to have such a big impact in January. When you arrive in January, I mean, it's very huge. Um, and not only that, the fact that they are increasing in confidence, which is confidence is what Manchester United have missed possibly in the last years. Probably uh, it was... Uh, uh, the pressure of being like Ferguson times was just too much on them. They gave time to uh, to Solskjaer. Solskjaer is uh, is not an invader. Uh, it's the same that Mourinho can believe. I mean, he, Mourinho can be Mourinho, but his story will always be Chelsea, Inter. Uh, um, obviously, is a great manager, but the moment when the things are starting to go bad. There will be uh, people that will start to put in front of your face your past. With Solskjaer, it can happen. And Solskjaer had a good time when uh, Lukaku actually gifted him uh, the quarterfinals of Champions League. That's right. Uh, yeah, people forget that as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, but he also had bad times by the end of last season. Uh, but now they gave him confidence uh, and Manchester United took time. So this thing in my opinion, is the thing that can make most the difference. Uh, obviously, Wolverhampton should be, uh, we, they must be aware too, because they can play at the same level almost with uh, every team. I would say also the one coming out between Sevilla and Roma, uh, but also, see, Wolverhampton, uh, 
the winning of Wolverhampton Olympiacos will play the winner of Sevilla Doma. So only one will survive that. Uh, but if I have to pick the other one, which my opinion is at the moment the one that should play as yes, to be winner is Manchester United. Because it, the way they finished the league uh, the season uh, uh, must point in that way. Yeah, they have uh, momentum very much on their side. Thank you. We're almost coming towards it, but I want to close on a, should we say, a nostalgic note. Inter, three-time winners of the competition when it was still known as the UEFA Cup. So we're showing our age that we remember that, you and I, Tankeri. So winners in 91, 94 and 98. Uh, what I want to ask is, is um, you who've followed Inter for many years, if I had to ask you to pick out a, a memorable moment from those three triumphs, um, what would you say to me? Okay. Uh, whoa. Uh, I know I put you on the spot. That's a big question. I know, but I know you can. No, but not be, because there, there are many. I, I really clearly remember them all uh, quite good. So I will just go very fast. Yes. Ninety-one with Roma. I would tell you two moments. Inter Aston Villa return leg of round of uh, uh, thirty-two was an amazing game. Inter had lost 2-0 in Birmingham in the first leg, was when the Aston Villa and the English ones were dictating in, uh, uh, in Europe, even in UEFA Cup. And it was unbelievable because usually Italian uh, teams were not able to do that and Inter reversed that in the uh, extra time. And still it is remembered as one of the top five best European games by Inter. In that edition also, I pick in the final against Roma, 10 minutes by the end, the post hit by Ruggero Rizzitelli with Roma that seemed, that I think had silenced the entire Stadio Olimpico for one <laughs> second. It was unbelievable. Uh, 1994, look, I would say two moments. Dennis Bergkamp, uh, first game against uh, Rapid Bucuresti. Mm -hmm. Inter win 3-1. Uh, Bergkamp scores uh, a hat-trick. And everybody's delighted because Bergkamp has just arrived. Yeah, and true. one of the three goals is with a scissor kick, which many, many times I have replied to try and, uh, and, to, and to do and to <laughs> portrait. <laughs> I have many times. But also in the final, the very last game of Walter Zenga with Inter shirt, and despite playing uh, an underdog as Casino Salzburg, well, that time Casino Salzburg was shooting on target, and in the very last game with Inter shirt, Walter Zenga pulled out one of his best free performances. Again, if you find the video on, uh, on, on the internet or YouTube, uh, you will understand what I'm definitely. talking about. Definitely, it's on there. It's on there, definitely. And if we talk about 1998, well, if I'm not mistaken, should be the return leg against uh, Lyon uh, of Inter. And again, as uh, uh, the song... Uh, uh, c'è solo l'Inter is saying <laughs> uh, niente per noi è mai normale which says uh, uh, nothing for us is never as usual is yeah. never normal so Inter always needs some strong comeback to uh, to make things legendary it's in well, the DNA <laughs> yeah it's in the DNA well Inter had lost the first leg to one they won 3-1 the second leg against a Lyon that was preparing to sign a decade in France. And it was an absolutely stunning game. And I remember especially the connection Kecco Moriero eh, Ronaldo. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, there was a bicycle kick, if I don't remember, from Kecco Moriero himself, 
And that moment, even if it was a still round of 32, that moment, I think that the international realized that they could win again that cup. And go, exactly. And, and go all the way and uh, lift it to the heavens, which they did in the All-Italian final uh, with uh, Lazio. Uh, Tancredi, I'm afraid I'm f- it's, it's flown by uh, time <laughs> when you're having fun, but hopefully we can get you back on the show in the future and hopefully we can talk about more positive uh, moments uh, in the Europa League for Inter. With my great pleasure. And let's see, because Inter, uh, uh, let's remind, Inter hold... Uh, the joint record uh, with uh, uh, with Juventus and Atletico Madrid. No, well, it's just behind Sevilla, but because until Sevilla won the fourth, Inter was uh, uh, holding the record of winning more UEFA Cup uh, slash Europa League. So they know how how it is to get great achievement in this competition. Wonderful. Thanks, everyone, uh, to uh, listening, and thanks uh, to our fantastic uh, guest today, Tanker de Palmeri. Forza Inter. <laughs> Grazie. Internews.